630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Thanks for rolling with us as we break down the 2020 NHL draft and what the Oilers did. Of course, you can get a full recap on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Dylan Holloway yesterday in the first round. Fourth round today, Carter Savoy. Fifth round, Tyler Tulio and Maxim Bereskin. Sixth round, Philip Engeras. And seventh round, Jeremiah Lindewall. All of them are forwards. First time ever that the Oilers have only taken forwards in the NHL draft. So that's significant. Uh, again, the Rays up 5-1 on the Yankees in the fifth. Braves meet the Marlins 2-0. Athletics over the Astros 9-7. Padres and Dodgers still to come. Jesse Pugliarvi once again in Edmonton Oilers. He'll keep playing in Finland for the time being, but he gets a two-year deal, 1.175 per year. No qualifying offers. I think we kind of saw this coming over the last few days for Andreas Athanasiu and Matt Benning. And uh, there continues to be the, the scuttle out there that the uh, the Oilers uh, could be in here on Jacob Markstrom, the goaltender from the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Matt Murray, by the way, who I've thought that the Oilers should, should take a look at. He's still only 26. He's traded today to the uh, Ottawa Senators. It was for the 52nd overall pick today and forward Jonathan Gruden. So uh, Matt Murray goes to the Ottawa Senators as the goaltending carousel starts spinning. Well, I guess the the goaltending news started spinning a little bit uh, on the weekend with Leonard and uh, and Jari getting, getting new contracts. So uh, those guys won't be going anywhere, but still several goaltenders who could be winding up with new teams. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Cam Moon from the Red Deer Rebels is going to check in a little bit later on. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passing away yesterday at the age of 65. Uh, the first time I saw Van Halen live was in, I believe it was 1995 at, I don't know what it was called at the time. I don't know if it was already Skyreach Center or if it was Edmonton Coliseum, but you know the building I'm talking about. And uh, the opening act for them was uh, a Canadian band called Our Lady Peace. And the former drummer for Our Lady Peace, Jeremy Taggart, is going to join us before 8 o'clock to uh, discuss touring with Van Halen. All right, we'll uh, go to the phone line here. A guy who's been very busy over the last couple of days, one of the hardest working individuals I know, the producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. It's my good friend, Brendan Escott. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, Reed. It's nice to sit down with a nice cup of coffee in my hands on my couch and just exhale for a couple of minutes. So You're not going to be able to sleep having coffee at 7.08 p.m. I'll figure it out. I don't know that I was going to go to sleep anyway with the kind of couple of days that the Oilers have had. And, and trying to get prepared, by the way, for the Crusaders season, uh, the exhibition season anyway, which opens up on Friday and Saturday. So I'll, I'll need plenty of more waking hours to get set for all that. Now, what's happening with, with the AJHL? And is there something here where the, the players now have to pay some sort of a fee to be able to participate in the AJHL? Yeah, as I understand it, Reed, that's basically it's a pay-to-play system this year, and right now uh, it's an exhibition season, so everything is still functioning in a very cohort-style uh, fashion. It's the same team. It'll be the Lloydminster Bobcats in Sherwood Park for the same for the two games. So, um, you know, they're they're getting action in, and they're getting action in against other teams. But even just looking at the the list of protocols to be able to function in and out of the rink and that sort of thing over the this weekend, it's uh, it's going to be a very peculiar-looking fall to say the least. And that's all before we, you know, whether we get a get a regular season going anytime soon either. 
Yeah, well, they're obviously going to need fans in the in the AJHL. This is a huge ding for them, and you know, clearly they they rely on, and th- and that's the thing about the AJHL, Brendan. And you and I live this, and I, and I know they're you know Fort Mac and Grand Prairie are larger centers, and we have teams in in the Edmonton area, but you know the sponsors of the teams aren't uh, Microsoft and McDonald's. I mean, it's it's local. It's often locally owned businesses that want to be part of something in the community and and be a part of of these teams. And it's breaking the hearts of those people who want to be able to contribute to the community hockey programs and that sort of thing, and unfortunately just can't. And it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Reed. Now I will say um, that we're even looking at sort of shrinking the numbers of staff on site so we can maximize the number of fans in attendance sort of a thing. So there will be, I believe it's a limit of a hundred spectators. And, and then we have a, a cohort of 50 personnel that's team and staff and that sort of thing um, that we're all required to be in. So there will be a little bit of a gate, but certainly nothing that uh, the team is accustomed to. All right. Well, I, I think we want to talk a little bit about the AJHL angle here for the NHL draft. And look, we've seen uh, Kale McCarr, Come out of the AJ and star uh, Jacob Bernard Docker was was drafted in the first round by Ottawa. I know he's I know he's in the NCAA right now, but uh, you know that that was exciting. And the the two guys from Sherwood Park. First of all, Carter Savoy gets snapped up by the Oilers 100th overall. Yeah, really exciting day for so many people in the Sherwood Park Crusaders organization. And and really, Reed, I mean. The year that those two were signed as 16-year-old rookies, that was my first year with the team. So I've sort of, you know, grown up, if you will, with them as part of that franchise. And every step of the way, these kids have exceeded expectations. And specifically with respect to Carter, you know, he's uh, he came into the league as a 16-year-old and not a big-bodied 16-year-old, right? Not not your six-foot-one Dylan Holloway at 17, even leading the league in goal scoring. This is this is diminutive Carter Savoy and diminutive Michael Benning out there, but they are so effective with the puck on their stick. And and Carter is a goal scorer, Reed. I mean, it's I've never really seen anybody make. Such difficult goals look so easy, you know, and I think that it's a disservice to call him a pure goal scorer because I like so many other areas of his game offensively. Um, he's really willing to be physical. He never backs down from those sorts of challenges. And, and you know, I don't know. That, I, I imagine that he'll rise to the occasion. He's got the demeanor, in my opinion, Carter does that that he'll continue to rise to the level of competition as he ascends through the NCAA and perhaps beyond that as well. So I think the Oilers are getting somebody who has a little bit of work to do on his defensive game, certainly, but but uh, for a team that needs to restock the cupboards as far as offensive uh, prospects go, they got a pretty darn good one out of Sherwood Park. And uh, Michael Benning also out of Sherwood Park, and, and you helped us uh, line him up for the first half hour of the show. Exciting for him, the uh, latest Benning to join an NHL franchise, 95th of the Florida Panthers. A defenseman, and yeah, I know, maybe, maybe a smaller guy, but it seems just every year more and more emphasis in the NHL, have somebody who can get back quickly, get the puck, and get it going quickly the other way. Oh, without a doubt. And that you're, those are the hallmarks of Benning's game. He is a puck-moving defenseman. He's got excellent uh, footwork in all three zones of the ice. He's somebody that does quarterback the power play. 
Um, and I, I, you know, you look at him and you don't, you don't think that he's going to have as uh, powerful a shot as he does. And some of the scouting reports that I've read, uh, I don't know if they just came out to a bad game at the Sherwood Park Arena or what have you, but I was quite surprised to see. Um, I think people might be underestimating exactly who this player could be offensively. So, um, you know, for Mike, I think it's going to be a lot about learning how to calm down with the pace, the, the increased pace of play. But uh, he was somebody that... You know, if, if the knock on him, Reed, is that he picked up too many assists because the rest of his teammates were too good, uh, to me that speaks a lot more to his vision than it does him having uh, elevated stats because of who he was playing with. He was able to make so many uh, plays on the rush and plays on the power play as well that, that to me, highlighted his ability to see the ice. So, again, you know, there, there's a project there, and I trust that the University of Denver is going to treat these kids real well over the next couple of years. And then the Panthers might be looking at, uh, like you said, a real modern incarnation of the NHL defense in there. Uh, were there not a couple of other AJHL players selected? I thought I saw something about someone out of, out of Canmore going. So like, people are looking at the league. Oh, without a doubt, and more and more every year. So uh, Ethan Edwards went 120th overall to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, he's, a, he's another, probably a better two-way defenseman, maybe a little bit less helter-skelter in his own end than Benning was at times in the AJHL this past year. Uh, but I don't know that he quite has the offensive ceiling of a Benning, so that might have had something to do with why the Spruce Grove Saints uh, defenseman slept a little bit there. Alex Young is committed to Colgate University. University and had there's a game-breaking offensive player read there was a couple instances and we didn't see the Canmore Eagles very often and I think you went 196 to San Jose just to get that out of the way but we didn't see the Canmore Eagles too often and when we did he came uh he basically willed that team back in from a 6-1 hockey game I think it was 6-5 and it all came in a span of about 12 minutes in the third period. So he's somebody that, uh, you know, it might, again, be a bit of a flyer pick at that point in the draft that uh, he'd have a lot of work to do and, and maybe a little bit lesser of a hockey conference, although Colgate is still Division One. Um, but he is somebody that I really like the offensive capabilities of as well. Brendan Escott joining us then at Inside Sports, the producer of Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, and of course uh, also a broadcaster for the Sherwood Park Crusaders and the Alberta Junior Hockey League. It's interesting to me how this played out. Ken Holland said on Monday when he was asked about the first-round pick, I don't see us taking a defenseman. Well, uh, transfer that to rounds four through seven. Of course, they wound up not picking in, in two and three. Tyler Wright said that wasn't necessarily the plan. There were a couple times throughout today where they were looking at defensemen, but those defensemen got snapped up, and then it was a cluster of forwards they had to they had to pick from. So it turned out uh, Holland's comment about the first round applied to the entire draft. Look, some of the the last three picks, especially. Brendan, I feel like uh, the Bears can Angaros and Lindewall are, are total will sees. I was talking earlier about Angaros being, uh, you know, 21. He had to sit out that season, and that's what it's like with guys in the later rounds. But it, it is uh, – I just want to get your thoughts on the fact they wind up not taking a defenseman, nor a goalie, I suppose. Yeah, well, those are two areas of strength, I think, and they – and the you know, the prospect ranks of this team, so to speak. If you were to look at and categorize their top prospects – Obviously, the two that jump off the page and Bouchard and Broberg are defensemen. But then you think about all of their European prospects, too. Guys like Philip Berglund and names that don't necessarily jump to mind, but defensemen that have been taken sort of in the latter rounds and years past. So that's 
I don't mind that they brought in uh, a new philosophy this year because outside of a of a Ryan McLeod, who I believe could certainly pan out as a third line center, let's say, but maybe doesn't have the offensive ceiling. And you know, is Tyler Benson's foot speed going to allow him to get there? So if they came in and just by happenstance ended up restocking sort of the prospect cupboards uh, up front, Reed, like I've been saying, I think that that's that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, you're right. I think McLeod's looked pretty good. Benson got a brief look this season, and he's gone to play in in Europe. And I know with Benson, they're, they're, his his intelligence and his creativity is is not an issue. He's just you know he'll work on on the foot speed and some of the explosiveness, but he'll be interesting to watch. And then, yeah, I mean, there's still some other guys you can talk about, but maybe. Uh, you know, a little longer shots, perhaps, to be real contributors to the orders here, as uh, as we move along. We we will start. Uh, well, I'll ask you about Puliyarvi first. I, I mean, I, I have said dozens of times over the last couple of weeks. I, I get it. You, you want to have good line mates, and it helps to play with creative players and all that kind of stuff. But I just think, given everything that that he's gone through, it's it's the ball is in Puliyarvi's court. Come here work find a way to make an impact every night and and make the most of it and get your nhl career going again well here's the thing like the way that i look at it is he needed to to believe in himself again and i think that last year i understand the competition isn't what the nhl is but you know prospects go down to the minors and regroup all the time we're not talking about somebody who's 24 years old he's still 22 so you know i think that he had to go get himself in check over there a little bit and from what i understand it's going to take um, an effort from him to come over here with with an ex, um, accepting that his role is going to be whatever he makes it there is a chance that this guy's your second line right winger if he uh, it's a reach but there's a chance and it's a, just a matter of how much he's willing to work and work within the system that's in place this team is not Yes, the Pugliarvi's team, but they did bring him back as a part of what I think is an exciting turn of the page for the Oilers, and I don't think that he comes back unless he sees the same thing. So, number one, the dollar value on that deal for me I thought was great, and especially to get two years out of it over one. Um, I set my cap to Ken Holland on that front, and I'm very excited to see what kind of attitude Pugliarvi uh, brings over back from Finland because, frankly, Reed, this is this has to be the last chance. You've got to figure. At some point, it isn't about being stuck on the third line. If you're there, you go work hard out of respect for the guys that are suiting up next to you. So now our big focus is going to be free agency coming up on Friday. Uh, somebody texted earlier, would you look at Kyle Turris if you could get him cheap? Uh, why not? Uh, I had a listener texting about Dominic Cahoon, who could still wind up uh, back with Buffalo, I, I was just reading, but he is a fast player. I'm not sure how much he kills penalties because I think if uh, Shane isn't going to be back, you'd like somebody as a penalty killer. But those are legit names thrown out by, by listeners that I think you would consider. And I'm really curious, Brendan, that there seems to be, now I, I don't want to overhype thing to people, you know, we got to be careful here, but there's a little bit more smoke about Markstrom and the Oilers, which I find really interesting. What, what do you think? Well, I'm certainly taken by surprise, as I imagine you are as well. And I think that it's going to depend on the dollar value, Reed. I, we know that he's an established goaltender at this point. I think he is obviously the 1A to Koskinen's 1B, and that would solve 
that would solve a huge part of the problem. However, if that leaves you then with only $3 million to shore up a uh, third-line center and a winger position, and I'm not necessarily in favor of that move given who else is available. I like that they're kicking tires. I think that not only does that signal to the fans, uh, you know, but also to the team that they're interested in, in sort of not accelerating the process perhaps, but certainly in, in continuing to put one foot in front of the other here. So uh, that's, that's, your, that's landing a unicorn. I don't necessarily expect them to. Uh, I think they'll play it a little safer than that. But if he is the starting goaltender on night one of whatever the next season is, um, I probably would have been excited at some point seeing that news come across the wire. Yeah, well, and I think for free agency, we continue to keep an eye on a player like Tyson Berry as well. I mean, a right-shot defenseman, Matt Benning, isn't going to be back. Clefbaum might miss the whole season, so you'll want somebody yeah. to run the power play. That might be uh, a more realistic free agent signing for the Oilers on Friday or, or sometime after that. Hey, Escott, thanks for checking in. Always love talking to you. Thanks for all your hard work around the station, buddy, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Reed. Have a good rest of the show. And uh, by the way, thank you for letting me open for Jeremy Taggart. Our Lady Peace is an all-time favorite band of mine. I grew up on their music. I am going to tell everybody that I know that I opened for Jeremy Taggart on Inside Sports. Oh, good. He's coming up at 745. I hope you listen. We'll see you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Reed. Brendan Escott, the producer of uh, Oilers Now. Good breakdown of some AJHL players and a lot of speculation now about free agency. Escott and I got onto that. It is 7.22. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. an early one eruption by van halen we'll talk more about him at 745 with jeremy taggart the former drummer with our lady peace pretty excited today total side note but worth mentioning one of my best friends and when it comes to golfing buddy he would be my best friend got a hole in one today Got a hole-in-one today. For those of you that know this course and the hole, on number seven at Devon, hit that big slope on the right-hand side, rolls down, goes in. That is awesome. I have never had a hole-in-one. I've had uh, I had a ball last summer that was probably the closest I ever came. It probably rolled about a foot short of the hole and was on target. But that is awesome. Hole-in-one. Number seven at Devon. That is good stuff. The Big L writes in 7804960063. Read RIP Eddie Van Halen, who was a monster during my youth. So many of my high school buddies looked like him, even some of the girls. <laughs> Big L goes on to say regarding Ken Hall and Homer Simpson once stated, Why do I have three kids and no money? Why can't I have three money and no kids? I'm sure Holland feels somewhat the same about several of the team's bottom six and the lack of draft picks and cap space. That is a very astute observation by the ever-entertaining Big L. Cam Moon, who's always a great guest from the Red Deer Rebels play-by-play booth. We'll talk a little bit about Western Hockey League draft picks when we get back. (laughs) 
Contest, another Van Halen classic. Ain't talking about love. Braves lead the Yankees 8-2 in the sixth. That series is tied 1-1. The Braves beat the Marlins 2-0 to go up 2-0 in the series. Oakland over Houston 9-7. Houston leads the series 2-1. Padres lead the Dodgers 1-0 in the second inning. The Dodgers took the opener in that series. Those are all best of fives. NHL draft is done. Took most of the day, but it did wrap up. So Dylan Holloway for the Oilers yesterday. Carter Savoy, Tyler Tulio. Maxim Berezkin, Philip Engaros, Jeremiah Lindewall. Today, all forwards selected by the Edmonton Oilers. That has never happened before. Jesse Pugliarvi signed by the Oilers. Two years, $1.175 million per season. So a pretty low cap hit for Pugliarvi. That'll be a bargain if he comes back and is productive. Qualifying offers for William Lagason and Ethan Bear. No QOs for Andreas Athanasiu and Matt Benning. So they're going to be unrestricted free agents on Friday. They, they could still sign uh, sign with the Oilers, but they're also free to uh, to look around. And I'm pretty sure uh, that Matt Benning is uh, is going to do that. Was not always uh, played a lot. Didn't always get a lot of ice time under the Dave Tippett regime, especially as we got later into the season and in their four playoff games against the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, a lot of storyline in the draft uh, we've been talking a lot of Oilers a little bit on an AJHL angle with Brendan Escott and to talk more about uh, the Western Hockey League which had 28 players selected it is Cam Moon the legendary play-by-play voice of the Red Deer Rebels Mooner how's it going another beautiful night Reed thank you for having me on that, that's uh that's awesome what did you do what were we doing some coaching mentoring skill development what were you working on uh actually it was uh, some minor hockey evaluation um, and we're in Rocky Mountain House tonight, just on our way back right now. Okay, good stuff. How did it go? Pretty good? Oh, yeah. Hey, they were out there giving it their all. Like, they're uh, they're all trying to make the team, Reed. It's wonderful. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks it's for checking in. It's uh, back in the rink at least. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That must have been nice because obviously you don't know when uh, the Rebels are coming back, right? I mean, what was what was it, the December 4th target? Is that still the target day? I uh, guess. Okay. I'm not holding out a lot of hope for that one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the draft. 28 Western Hockey League players selected. Uh, I mean, look, it's a great breeding ground for talent, but just from, from a Rebels angle, I guess a bit of a franchise oddity for the Rebels. No one selected today. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I thought for sure, I really did. I thought Christopher Setoff, who is uh, a defenseman this past year, he's from Finland. Uh, he, was, he was ranked uh, somewhere in the 60s by Central Scouting played in the CHL top prospects game. I, I thought he would go anywhere from round three to five-ish, and he didn't go at all. And uh, Ben King, who is uh, forward, he's uh, from Vernon, B.C., he was ranked 121st. I thought he had a shot at maybe going in the sixth or seventh round. And, and it, it didn't come to fruition for either of them, so a little disappointing that way. Uh, but it was, it was good to see the Western League represented as well as it was over the course of the last two days, they had seven guys go in the first round. I think that's tremendous. And uh, there were there some good ones there. Great to see uh, Jake Neighbors from the Oil Kings going in the first round to St. Louis. I think he's a, a heck of a player, and I think he's got a tremendous chance of being an NHL player. 
Yeah, I had him on the show earlier and also talked to him last week, and he was thrilled and a really classy guy to deal with. So good for Jake. Let's touch on Seth Jarvis, man. If he would have been there for the Oilers at 14, you can't help but think that that would have been their selection out of the Portland Winterhawks. Um, I mean, 98 points in 58 games is is pretty impressive, but you consider that he think he got, uh, what was it, 63 of them in his last 26 games of the season. So he absolutely exploded. I, I know in the other conference, so you wouldn't have had as many in-person uh, viewings of Seth Jarvis, but uh, certainly an enticing player, I would think. Well, he is. And, and it, you don't have a lot to realize that he is he's super skilled and and plays hard and yeah there's there's a really there's a lot to like and and they that Portland Winterhawk team plays such a style that it does lend itself to that uh Mike Johnson I think does a really good job of of making sure his team is going to get offensive opportunities and then they play that style and they're very good at it Seth Jarvis is a big part uh, of them being very good at it. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you'd, I know as, a, as an Oilers fan, you'd love to see a guy like that taken by the Oilers, but uh, I'm not surprised that, you know, he, he wasn't there when it was your he's, he's a guy that stands an extremely good chance of being uh, a guy that can not only just play in the, in the NHL, but, but have an impact. I want to ask you about Caden Gooley, the defenseman out of Prince Albert. He was there for the Oilers. Uh, Stoffer was high on him, even though Ken Holland said they were likely, very likely to go with a forward in the first round. He gets snapped up by the Canadians at pick number 16. I think we're going to have Caden Gooley on the show tomorrow, so that'll be good to talk to him. Uh, you know, not as high, obviously, as, as Sanderson uh, uh, and Drysdale got picked. W- what is Caden Gooley um, as a defenseman? I mean, teams want the, the speed and the puck moving as much as anything else these days. Tell us about Caden Gooley. Well, I think he has the speed, and I think he has the puck moving ability. I think he has the ability to uh, to be a really good power play guy. And I think even projecting down the road uh, in the National Hockey League, I think he could he could be potentially uh, a power play guy. Uh, there, there was a couple of defensemen in, in the WHL who were ranked really high. Kate Gooley was one. Braden Schneider was one. He went 19th overall to the New York Rangers. But he's a different type of defenseman, a little more physical, a little, uh, you know, really good on the defensive side. The, what I like about Gooley is that ability to skate, uh, the ability to shoot the puck and get it on net, and to uh, to quarterback and to see everything out on the ice. So I, he's... You knew coming out of the WHL Bantam draft when he was uh, first overall pick that, I mean, this guy's he's a pretty special player, even at a young age. And he's continued that progression and went to a team that in his 16-year-old year wins the WHL championship. So he's been part of a winning squad. And last year, they had a really good team again. So, again, Caden Gooley's a big part of that. But that's a great atmosphere to be in during your formative years in junior. So I think that's only going to benefit him as well. But I, I would think that, you know, three years down the road, maybe four years down the road, uh, Gooley will be a mainstay on uh, the blue line for the Montreal Canadiens. I, I want to ask you about Ridley Gregg out of Brandon because he went 28th and most of the stuff I saw, Cam, 
had him going higher. Now, look, there's a lot of different projections and a lot of different opinions, especially the deeper you go uh, into into the draft. What, what were your thoughts on, on Ridley Gregg? Were you su- surprised he hung around until 28? Yeah, it's it, tough for me to say because I just see the Western League guys. So when when guys get picked from other leagues, it's, I, I, it's hard for me to, to judge whether they're they're better or not against the guys from our league. They, I don't see them. So uh, you can go by the, the central scouting rankings, but I mean, that's a guideline at best. So right. I, I can't say whether I'm surprised or not. I, I know Ridley Gregg plays the game hard. Uh, I, I know that when he battles on the wall for the puck, it's extremely difficult to get it away from him. Uh, there's offensive ability for sure and he's going to get his share of points in the WHL before he's done. But I like the way he plays. I think he plays the game the right way in that his, his compete level is high. Uh, he, he doesn't uh, put himself in a position where he's like parading to the penalty box, but you know you're playing a tough game against him. So uh, he'll give himself a chance. His dad's a former NHLer, and, and I know he scouts with Philadelphia. I remember him when he played in the WHL with uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes and was a really good player there. So uh, Ridley Gray comes from great bloodlines, and uh, I'm, you know, I was happy to see he went in the first round. I, I didn't think he'd be like a, a high first-round pick, so I guess anywhere in the first round would have been good for him, and it's good to see that that's where he went. Right on. Hey, uh, I know you're on the road here. I, somebody else is driving, everybody. Don't worry. But, uh, Cam, yeah, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, I know you had a busy day. It's always great to have you on Inside Sports. We will talk again, man. Thanks for your insight this evening. We really appreciate it. Anytime, Reed. You know where to find me. Absolutely. That is Cam Moon, play-by-play voice for your Red Deer Rebels. And, yeah, we were talking about Caden Gooley. Cam's pretty high on him, and uh, he is a scheduled guest for Inside Sports tomorrow. So that'll be pretty cool. It is 7.43. Uh, We'll put the hockey talk behind us for the rest of the show, and we will remember Eddie Van Halen when we get back. Cam Moon just texting me, just drove past Sylvan Lake, home of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the SWA, as we bring you Aftershock. Van Halen from their album Balance came out in 1995 and then they toured that year with a uh, well-known Canadian band called Our Lady Peace and the gentleman who was the uh, drummer in that band until 2014 is on the line now. It is the one and only Jeremy Taggart. Hey, thanks for checking in, Jeremy. You're on with Reed. How are things, buddy? I'm good, Reed. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing very well. It's uh, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, we haven't been in touch for uh, for a few years. I know you rolled through town and did an event with uh, with Dave Lomley a few years ago, so that was pretty fun. Yeah. But uh, man, with Eddie Van Halen, that uh, that that shook me yesterday. I mean, I, 
I can remember probably one of my first songs that I really liked and looked forward to hearing on the radio on 630 Chad when we played rock and pop was Jump. And then, you know, I kind of got further into Van Halen for there. from there. Before you, before you toured with the band, tell me a little bit about your connection with, with Van Halen. Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, like, I, 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 uh, I knew Van Halen, like, honestly, like, you know, playing 500 up in great, you know, when I was nine years old just kind of listening to Jump on the blaster. Like, that was a, mo- a memory for me, like, in 1984, like, the, that how big they were. And uh, I think as I started to become a musician, I just, uh, I, I, I always respected Eddie as a, as a musician as well as Alex. And when I got to, to, to actually open up for them in 95, um, I got to meet them and, and, and that smile that you see in all those videos that Eddie has, it's just, just so genuine. He was just a sweet heart of a guy and just, he saw that I was a, a happy young drummer of 20 years old that just kind of wanted to learn everything he could. And, uh, him and his brother, just him and Alex just took me under their wing and, uh, that summer I'll never forget it. It was incredible. 45 shows three months every single day i got to, to hang out with those guys you know well that's I, I was wondering about that how often the headline band might hang out with the opening band i, I would imagine sometimes maybe there isn't much of a relationship that that's formed but van halen's approach was a little different eh absolutely i mean normally you don't like it's there is no hanging out you know like you see you see them and that's the end of it but um, with with Van Halen, I mean, they were just really genuine guys, and uh, I, I honestly, like, I, I felt like after two or three days that they were a family almost. Like, I could do, I could say or do anything with them. And, and uh, Alex took me under his wing as a young drummer, and just like every question I had, he would answer, and he would let me sit behind them every single night, and uh, it was just uh, like. I, I, I couldn't imagine a better perspective. And, uh, and honestly, it helped me, you know, like uh, uh, when I saw how they treated people, uh, that was it for me. That was how, that was the bar. And uh, the way that they did meet, they did meet and greets. They always said hello to every single person. They were always sweet to everybody. And that was kind of like the introduction of how to do business for OLP. Well, yeah, because was that? Did you guys just have the one album out then, or had, had was, Clumsy yeah, come out? Start. Like that, that, the '95 summer was when Naveed came out in America. Naveed okay. came out in Canada in '94, but came out in America in '95, and that tour was basically our kind of uh, welcoming in America to radio to everything. Like it gave us, uh, it gave us the groundwork for a career honestly like we initially went into that tour thinking this is a bad idea this is a a classic rock band and we were in 1995 an alternative band which they called you know like a new band so we felt it was kind of like almost career suicide opening for van halen in america yet um columbia records told us like guys you don't understand once you hit middle america that's all that mattered and uh that's it was true we decided to do the tour and 
every single show was like 40,000 people. And there's to this day, there's people that are like, I saw you on that opening Van Halen tour and I love you guys. So um, it doesn't matter uh, who you're playing with or the, the perspective or whatever it was, but um, even being a band in the mid 90s when alternative music was kind of a thing and Lollapalooza and all that stuff that was going on, you understand what I'm saying where you know, there was a, almost like a, 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 a you know, a, a, you know, something to be standoffish about doing a tour with a classic rock band at that time. So um, we thought it was maybe going to blow up in our face, but it turned out to be the best thing that we ever did. Well, as I mentioned, I'm one of those people who saw you with Van Halen, and then I, I saw you guys again. Uh, you headlined, and I think Everclear was the opening act for you yeah. guys when, when you came through yeah. Edmonton. So that was pretty cool. When you, I, I'm going to ask you a bit of the soap opera question here. Uh, that incarnation of Van Halen didn't last much longer. Balance was the last album with Sammy Hagar as the lead singer. Did you yeah. sense any tension there between the brothers and Sammy at the oh, time? Oh, yeah, big, big time. Um, Sammy Hagar was out on tour with his his wife, and uh, it, it was one of those things where I think, you know, Ray Daniels was managing Van Halen at the time, you know, Rush's manager, Ray Daniels, our, uh, mm-hmm. RSO, and uh, there was a division between Sammy and the band. So uh, Sammy had another manager and his wife, was kind of directing him and uh, he felt that uh, it was over and the band felt it was over so it was really a bizarre situation to kind of be in the middle of on that tour on the balance tour definitely the end of sammy and uh you know like i remember one like days when alex would be like hey what do you think of sass jordan i'm like what What?" (laughs) he's like yeah sass jordan this female from in Canada, I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm, of course I know that, Jordan. He's like, well, you know, she's thinking maybe she wants to sing with us. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, that would be crazy. Like, honestly, like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> wow. I, I didn't realize they were that far along during that tour that they were already oh, thinking yeah, about. Oh, it was over. Yeah, yeah. it was over that's amazing and they had to go out there on stage and smile and put their arms around each other and stand back to back and all that fun stuff eh well i mean that's music you know when you're when you're in a position and uh you have a guarantee from live nation to do x amount of shows so that's you know that that's basically you saying i'm going to finish this through and uh yeah i'm sure it probably started out one way and ended up another but uh yeah, there was definitely a, a huge division in the camp. What, what do you think, uh, and I'm sorry we're running out of time here, but ultimately, um, what do you think Eddie's greatest contribution was? I mean, very unique style. Um, I, I, st- I don't think he ever really learned how to read music, but... <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't, yeah, you know, like what? I mean, reading music and hearing music is the same thing. So, like, if you can hear it, like, Buddy Buddy Rich, you ever heard of a drummer named Buddy Rich? I have, yeah, but I'm not an he, expert like you. Well, he, he was a drummer that, like, led, he never read sheet music either, but he led a, a big band by the age of five. Oh. So, so, like, reading music doesn't mean anything if you can hear it. So, 
Eddie was definitely in the ballpark, as well as Alex, of, of just hearing music. Their father was a, uh, a jazz clarinet player, world-renowned. I think he actually is on a track on Jump, I believe. But um, their father was a great musician and encouraged them into dedication. So I really do feel that the his biggest uh, con contribution to the music world was just his dedication to his instrument and uh, to be able to get to, you know, you know how hard it is to sound like yourself on an instrument? Like, man, there's nothing more difficult than to have a sound. And he had it 10 times over, so. Yeah, well said. Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know it's a little later for you and, uh, and you've been doing some other interviews, but thanks for your memories and thanks for your perspective on Eddie Van Halen, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Reed, and uh, have a great night, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. That is Jeremy Taggart checking in, former drummer with Our Lady Peace, and uh, as he was telling you, they toured with Van Halen in 1995. Okay, get the latest on the Oilers draft picks on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Yessi Pugliarvi has signed a contract with the Oilers. He's expected to hold the media availability tomorrow. So we'll have clips for you on this show, and, of course, Bob will have them on Oilers now from noon to 2. Rays up 8-2 on the Yankees. That's in the 7th. Braves beat the Marlins 2-0. Athletics knocked off the Astros 9-7. Dodgers lead the Padres 2-1. That is in the bottom of the 3rd. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. And thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. And thanks to you for tuning in. My name's Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News, and on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.